Welcome to After the Bell with your host, Laura. This podcast is a series of conversations with educators, leaders, and lifelong learners with the hope of deconstructing some of the stereotypes around education. My objective as a teacher is to focus on the passion, humanity, and hope around education and to provide a platform for the myriad of voices that have something to say and teach us all. If you would like to know more about me, please head to my Instagram page at educatinglaura. Hello everyone, thank you so much for deciding to spend a bit of time with me today. This episode is out on the 14th of March 2022. We are heading into the end of term one here in Melbourne. It has been a very, very challenging year. I will say that if you are a new teacher or you've just moved schools or you've just come back into teaching, this has been probably one of the most challenging years I've had as a teacher and I've been teaching something around 15 years now. The transition back into the classroom from the pandemic and the commitment to being back in the classroom, as wonderful as that is to know that remote learning is not sort of waiting around the corner, there are still so many things that the pandemic has touched in terms of behavior and commitment and connection and community and all of those things that it is challenging. And if you're a teacher and you're finding it hard right now, I'm with you. Despite experience, I'm also finding it quite challenging. So just wanted to put that out there, let you know you are not alone if you're finding it a hard time to be in education. So this is why I have this wonderful conversation with Kirsten Kobabe from California. She is a teen whisperer. So if you look at her on socials, that is really her tagline. And she aims to connect carers and educators and teens with community and to show people how to show up for their teen in a way that is empowering and authentic and I guess gets people to question whether or not their own childhood was actually the way they want to perpetuate raising another child and so she talks about this paradigm shift which we will talk about a lot in this episode. I don't want to say too much more because I think that you'll get a lot out of it. The only thing I would like to say is if you enjoy the episode, please share it on social media. Tag me at Educating Laura and Kirsten at Kirsten Cobabe. If you would like to leave me a voice note, feel free to go into my Instagram. There is a link there that you can click to send me a voice note if you would like to ask me a question, perhaps get yourself on the podcast. Remember, season three is all about people that are educating outside of a conventional classroom. So if you feel as though that's you or you know someone that would like to contribute, please let me know. I'm very, very open to potential guests. Oh, also, I feel like I should mention that I actually recorded a live conversation with Kirsten on her Instagram page. So if you go to her on my Instagram page, you'll see it on our grids. And the conversation kind of is around being the spark in the system. So even though we can't change the entire structure of education right now, what can we do to be the hope and the light as educators. So you might like that conversation goes about half an hour. That is on there as well. I might put a link in the show notes for that. Just another way of looking at it and perhaps a bit more from my perspective than Kirsten's. So yeah, go check that out as well. As I said, if you are having a tough time, the world is a really challenging place right now. I'm thinking of you. I'm experiencing some of that myself. So you are certainly not alone. I hope that this episode and this conversation brings you some hope. See you in two weeks. Hi Kirsten, how are you? It's so lovely to have you here. Thanks Laura, it's so lovely to be here. 
I want to start off with just asking you, how and what do you teach? Mm. So I work with parents or caregivers, parents and caregivers of teenagers, and I also work with teenagers. I've been working with families for over 20 years now, and teenagers are just my people. They're this very misrepresented group of humans that I feel like deserve more respect and um, here to change the narrative and our perspective. And how are you doing that? What kinds of strategies are you employing to shift? We talk about a lot in your Instagram that I see, shift the paradigm. That's kind of the language I see you use a lot. I do. Yeah. And I work primarily as a coach. Um, And so I get to work one-on-one with people and with families talking about sort of where we came from and understanding where where we came from and where we're going and where we can go and what young people are calling us into um, and what their behavior is telling us and and actually how to listen, how to communicate better and really shift maybe what a lot of us grew up with. So sort of emerge from that and create something that we're all, I think, really ready for. Mm. So a lot of things that I see around that paradigm shift is this authoritative parenting to much more communicative parenting. So how did you come to realize that that is something you wanted to share and that you think is where we need to move with parenting our teens or caring for our teens? Yes. It's how since forever I think I've seen the world. Um, Not that I'm perfect by any means, but as a young person, I remember the experiences of not being treated equally, I guess, or, you know, in a way that felt respectful, mutually respectful. I remember this. And I remember the people that did and how that felt because it was actually so rare. I also think back to, you know, my younger sister and I and what we went through as teenagers together, what was missing, how it impacted us individually and even our connection. And and I try really hard not to blame previous generations because I think we've, we continue to evolve and everyone's doing the best they can. Um, And we've just reached, in my opinion, a breaking point where it's like, it's time. It's time to actually learn how to listen and attune to children instead of seeing them as objects or obstacles or mini-me's. It's like, this is a human here to have an experience. And it's our role, whether you're a parent or a caretaker or a teacher, to show up and to show up in a real way that's not about ourselves. That's not about, even when I talk about my history and my childhood, I'm, I'm very careful because there's some things that we all need, listening, connection, safety, but also every teenager needs, needs different things. Mm. Some teenagers need reassurance. Others need, others need a lot of support, getting, getting their needs met or their dreams. They have big dreams and they need someone on board with that. Other teenagers need maybe a little bit more, and so, well, I should just say some teenagers, yeah, can't do the traditional schooling. I mean, we're all just so different. But what I like to talk about is this foundation of listening to connection and how that can bring us into realizing, oh, and this is what this person needs. This is what my teenager needs. Here's how I can show up for them. And I actually have an opportunity to be with them on their journey. And it's an honor rather than an obligation or this idea that if they do it this way, you know their life will be good. If they walk this very linear path, it'll all be well. We've got to really kind of crack that and realize it's not the case. If it were that we'd be in really great shape right now. Yeah. Yeah. It connects very much with my journey as well, because I've very specifically, I'm a high school teacher because I love working with that teenage group. And I felt similarly, I felt as though 
I really, really wanted a safe adult. And what I mean by that is one that I could go to in the most vulnerable, in the most honest, in the most messy and be supported and, and I guess held in those moments and not be blamed, not be told what to do, to just be in those moments. And I feel like as a teen, and I've watched many teens grow and I've obviously been a part of their journeys too, that identity building is huge. Like I really struggled with who I was in those years because was I supposed to be what my parents wanted? Was I supposed to be what society wanted? Was I going in the right direction? Was I doing the quote unquote right thing? So what is it for you that drew you to the teenage demographic? Probably similar to you. It does feel like this just very misrepresented group, but while at the same time, it's a group that really does need and deserves support. And I don't mean the support where it's like, do as I say, that's not support. It's what you described as a safe adult who you can show up most vulnerably with. The people, the teenagers I know, know that no matter what, I'm all in. Like you can can show up however you are right now. You can be mad. You can be sad. You cannot want to talk. You can be, you can want to talk for two hours. It's all fine. And, and I've shown them that no matter what, I can join them exactly where they are. I'm never going to say you should be in a different place than you are. I just jump right in. I'm like, wow, okay. I get to look out at the world through their eyes or as most I can, as best I can through their lens and, and be a partner in that and be a collaborator. And so that's where we can actually shift into. We don't have to go from do as I say to do whatever you want. We can be in this. <laughs> I want to be with you in this. Yeah. And, and I'm curious, authentically curious. But yeah, it's a really misrepresented group that, that deserves so much care and so much compassion, especially right now with, I mean, we, I think we're all aware that what we're doing isn't really working. And a lot of young people need a different way, or at least some options, because mm-hmm. not everyone's going to college. Not everyone's a straight A student. Not everyone's an extrovert. We've got to open ourselves up and really allow for these other paths because there's really not another option, in my opinion. Mm. Well, we were talking prior to recording about the fact that you were interested potentially in going down the education route and then you shifted. So tell me about that shift for you and why you believe you're in a better position to support teens with what you're doing. I went down a really traditional path. So mm-hmm. I had lots of untraditional ways of being raised in my childhood on a farm, but also in the, at, I was, I grew up on the East coast. And what you do there is you go to school and you get good grades and you go to college and you get a job and this is what you do. And this is, this is the path. And so for me, it was actually seven years of college. I've been unwinding this and not that it's wrong. That's a great path for some people. Um, it led me to here. It's, it's great. And I was already doing this before school before college. It was already the essence of me. This is what I've loved since since always. And it's been very clear. And so, yeah, I was studying being an educator for a period of time. And I it didn't take me long to change my, my major. I remember sitting in class and going, I'm going to get fired. <laughs> if I keep going down this path, I will get fired as a teacher. Because we were learning things that didn't feel like didn't feel like learning. It didn't feel like joy. It didn't feel like curiosity. It was very rigid. And even though I had some really great teachers that had these new kind of great ways of, of learning that were, or they had these kind of new ways of doing that were more interesting. 
it's still, there was no focus on emotions, trauma, human nature, different personalities. I even felt like the developmental stages wasn't even properly touched. And that being said, I was only really studying this for about a year. It was just very clear to me that the way I was being taught was not going to work for my personality and for what I was seeing with the children I know in the world. It was like, I can't really support this. Not because it's not great for some people. It just wasn't the whole picture. It was missing so much. And so then I, then I went towards social work, ended up getting my master's in that. And so Again, I, I don't know if I necessarily had to do that to be doing this work, but it was such an amazing experience, fortunately, um, for me. But it was both. Just like for a lot of people, it's like, great, there's some great parts of the school stuff, and there's some parts that are actually, I'm being taken away from my center or being told I don't know things when I really do. We're born with a gift to bring to the world, and we're not teaching in that way. We're not, we're not allowing that gift to come through for young people, at least in traditional schooling. And so we wonder why at 18, or whenever we consider a young person done, that they're like, I don't know who I am and I don't know what I want because we haven't supported that, even though that's every day is an opportunity to support a young person being themselves, creating themselves, finding themselves. And so we miss so much because we're thinking we're going to be late or what's the grade? We have a test today and all your homework. And it's like this, none of this matters. <laughs> it really doesn't. So that's, it's been an interesting journey. <laughs> okay. So there's so much to unpack there. All right. Yeah. So we're talking it. about the fact that education is missing the wholeness, right? So it's not actually getting to each individual. What are some strategies that you could think of like right now that we could start embedding in schools? that would allow for that because, I mean, in Australia it's similar. We talk about the academic pathway. There's very little other pathways unless you leave school and go into trade school or TAFE. They are not societally considered to be the most prestigious pathways, you know, despite the fact that all of these careers are just as important and valuable in society. We, for whatever reason, in the education system just want to see more people educated um, formally. But the thing is, is, I mean, after two years of a pandemic and we've been locked down almost for two years in Melbourne, kids can no longer sit in their seats properly. They can't sit still. They are not invested the way that they used to be. I'm finding that my seniors with the algorithm as it is, were being fed more of the same opinions, which means that they are seeing far less perspective than they've ever seen. They've not been challenged for nearly two years, which is very confronting for me. On the flip side, I was watching a film where we were looking at parents who are overworked and not paying attention to their children. And my junior students were saying, yeah, but that doesn't mean that that child's not loved. That's what parents do when they are stressed and fearful. And they've watched these things that they've never had to see before because they're at home with their parents, watching them in their meetings, trying to get their work done. And so there's this real beautiful element of compassion that these children have for their for their respective adults, they've seen them go through this really challenging time. So we're in this kind of weird, strange place where we can't pretend that the pandemic hasn't happened because it has affected every single one of us. And yet we're now committed here in Australia, at least to being back at school. And we're like, okay, back to normal. And it's like, no, we can't go back Mm -hmm. to normal. But then what are we actually injecting into schools to support what's happened. So what are your thoughts? What can we do? 
You're right. And like, I mean, you're right. We can't go back to normal and thank goodness, right? Because it was mm-hmm. already overdue for an upgrade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so our society in general, and for sure school. And so I already was seeing this when I was a therapist way long time ago. Um, I was a contracted therapist in a school. And I remember even then, this was like, I don't know, eight years ago or something. And even then, there wasn't the support that students needed for the emotional Mm. pieces of their lives. And this was pre everything we've just gone through. Mm. That the guidance counselors had been so swept into the same realm as the teachers, right? Get this done, do this, check boxes, all that. And so it was, it felt like my job was really important to spark the remembering of why we all actually wanted to be here. It wasn't for homework. I don't know anyone, even teachers that are really that excited about it. So it's like, how do we spark that remembrance? And how do we come back to a place where all of us are seeing what's really important? Because that's, I think, what this this past two years has really opened up. Yes, many challenges. Yes, so many difficult situations. We're going to see them unfold for years to come, I believe. And as you said, this beautiful element too, where, hey, maybe it's an opportunity. Since we can't pretend that didn't happen, now it's like, well, yeah, what do we want to create and how do we want to move forward? Young people have seen big things and have experienced big things. They already were and more so now. And so no wonder they don't want to do their algebra homework when they're looking at the world and saying, wait, how is this relevant? Unless Mm. I want to be an algebra teacher or an architect. I mean, yes, some basic education is very important. We want people to have the basics. But really, like once you get into the teen years, that's when you're supposed to be exploring what you love, not doing the same thing that's not going to be relevant in your life, especially when you're looking at the world and going, holy crap, look at all this that's going on. Or my Mm -hmm. friends are having a hard time or, you know, these traumatic events have happened with our family members or our friends. It's, it's big stuff that they're dealing with. And so we can't just pretend, like you said, it's not happening. I think more supports in school would be incredible. What I did was part of like a pilot sort of trial to see how it would impact the school. Because from my understanding, that was that used to be a guidance counselor role was more of this support. Now it's become kind of college prep land. <laughs> and well, that's so what I see too. That's what I see when I see <laughs> yeah. um, American TV shows that yeah, guidance counselors has tended to help you with what your scores are and what university you should go to. Yeah. 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 And and it it feels like to me that used to be, or maybe there was an opportunity for it to be more of this soft space to land when things got hard or overwhelming, not another adult saying what you have to do. We need more adults that are able to not care about the agenda or the tasks and just be with young people in their experience, especially if we want to live in a world where people know how to self-regulate, know how to handle emotions. If we want a society that's curious, and engaged, critically thinking, um, passionate, imaginative, creative. If we want these peop- these traits to be part of our world, we need to be with people in these and be with that spark and be part of that um, story rather than trying to reroute and redirect people. Meet them right where they're at. Meet teenagers right where they are. There's plenty of time for homework if we still have to do it. We can figure that out. But what's most important is what's what's happening right now. And and teenagers need a safe space for that, especially if they're in school for seven hours a day with their peers. 
dealing with the world too. I had one of my seniors say to me, because obviously there's a potential war between Russia and the Ukraine currently. One of my students say to me, we need a break. I can't, yeah. I can't compute this information right now. We've just come back to school. I can't. And I'm like, I understand that. I understand that feeling that, you know, it's just too much. It's too much to see these big things in the world, not to mention the fact that your own world has in some way probably cracked open. It's too much instability. And so what happens is kids go into avoidance tactics. So they will get into gaming or they'll get into social media or they will avoid school altogether because all the pressure just reminds them of more pressure. And so not really supporting them in dealing with what's actually going on for them. In fact, we're just loading on even more. And I'm wondering, what do you say to the people that come up to you and go, oh, we'll just get over it. You know, like we did this, we're fine. We had to, we had to go through it like the school of hard knocks, you know, and that is a really legitimate belief system in our society. It is. What do you say to those people that come to you and, you know, I'm assuming you've had families come to you and go, oh, my teenager, for goodness sake, why can't they just get on with it? What kinds of things can you say and what sort of strategies would you encourage to kind of deconstruct that belief system? Mm -hmm. It's, it's pretty common. Um, You know, even a simpler one is like, well, school's their job. That's the only thing they have to do. And I'm like, are they getting paid for it? Uh huh. (laughs) And they're like, no. And I'm like, then it's not their job. And can they leave? No. Then it's different than a job. And so even things like that that are unrelated to these last two years, but still potent and real, like, really let's look at it. Or when a parent, like you said, or a caretaker says, you know, just get over it or I'm fine. This is, it worked for me. It's like, okay, let's look at it. What does work mean? What does it worked look like? How do we know it's success? Do we think we'd be in the scenario we're in now? Or when they're like, you know, I'm raising my kid this way. This is just the way it is. I'm like, okay, so how's it going? Mm. You know, I actually just ask that question so we can look at it. And then they'll usually get to a place where it's like, well, I wish our relationship was different or we actually don't communicate that much. And I'm like, hmm, interesting. Okay, so maybe it's not working. You know, maybe this result that you want, yeah, it's not here. And so also sometimes we can be, Sometimes parents can be tricked almost a little bit where say your result is you want your teenager to have great grades and they do, but you don't have a relationship. So sometimes it's a little bit like multifaceted and we kind of have to break it down even more and deconstruct, as you said, even more where it's like, okay, great. You've got that. Is that their goal or your goal? How, how are they doing <laughs> in other ways? You know, their friendships are in and how is your relationship? And so we get to actually just look at it, go, hmm. Oh, interesting. And, and poke holes where need be. And not in a mean way, but in a let's really, let's get real. Let's get really real. So yeah, those are some of the things that are coming up for families for sure. And I think part of it too is actually validating how hard it is to look at things differently. You know, we, we, we can remember as teenagers, we might've wanted our parents to do it different. And then we find ourselves behaving just like them. And that can be hard to look at. And so to have a gentle, compassionate guy, then go, of course, this is how you're doing it. The new way isn't a perfectly paved path yet. It's Mm -hmm. like, of course, we fall back on what we know, even if we didn't like it and don't like it. Mm -hmm. And so it's okay. There might be some stumbling and we can figure it out together. Mm -hmm. Um, Because what's scarier, I think, for a lot of us, um, especially if there's not a growth mindset or people's stress is high, which we know it is, 
it's scarier to try a new path than it is to just do what's what feels comfortable, mm-hmm. even if it's not leading you where you want to be. And mm-hmm. so that awareness, I think, is huge. I'd like to ask you, because when you went into education and you realized relatively early that it was not aligned with who you are, we talk about study and education, and there's usually a way that we picture it that's the right way. I'm wondering for you, what would the education system look like in a way that would have supported you potentially better and how would you have preferred to have learned in those 10 years if you reflect back? Like, if you know, I'm assuming that you sat in the classroom, you had someone disseminating information, there were some worksheets to work through. You know, that's kind of what I'm picturing for you. Is that what happened? What would you have preferred? How would have, how could it have been done better for you as an individual? I love this question so much. I think about this a lot. And, <laughs> and I had a very free younger childhood with lots of nature and exploration and a lot of independence, in fact, probably too much in some ways. And so then school hit and actually part of it felt good because I had some like parameters, mm-hmm. some structure that actually was helpful for me. That being said, the talk at approach did not feel good for me and does not feel good for so many people. Unless it's something you're really interested in and the teacher is nice, then that can kind of work. Or if you if you have a good connection and rapport with the teacher, it can like at least be interesting, right? But typically you don't feel that connected to your teacher. I didn't feel connected to most of mine. The couple that I did, I still think of them every day. And I'm and I went to school for social work and for art. It was a social work or social studies teacher and an art teacher. So it's very, I mean, it's very clear that those teachers had a huge impact on me. They really saw me and what I was interested in. I spent all my free time in the art room as every minute, every second that I could. And I also graduated high school early because I needed to get out of there. So I think it's, to put it simply, if schools were designed more with teachers that were very well resourced, and I don't just mean financially, I mean that have an understanding of trauma and emotional wellness and human dynamics and family dynamics. That is key. If we had teachers that understood some kids need to stand, some kids need to move, like we need to be flexible with what people need. We can't expect young people who have energy to sit still. We also shouldn't expect that they should ask our permission to go to the bathroom. I mean, this is ridiculous for, in my opinion, these are just hierarchical structures that are just they don't, they're not appropriate for the stage, for the developmental stage. It doesn't make sense. It's more of, it needs to be collaborative. Being a teammate and a collaborator makes way more sense than being above and teaching at. Having more nature, more creative time or trade, if that's what someone's into. The four basic classes are just not a complete picture of what we need to know in the world. We need to know how to manage our finances manage our relationships. We need to understand emotional intelligence. We need to look at what's not healthy in a relationship. We need to have space to play and to try out our passions, especially teenagers. That's when they're, I like this and this is my thing and this is not my thing. We need to honor that so that they can actually burst through, through the muck and be that person that they are. And right now we're telling them, no, don't be that. No, don't explore that. And there's no time for that. And then they graduate and it's, there's a level of apathy for some people where it's like, or, or just, I, I tried and I tried and now I've given up. 
or, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, it's a really beautiful time where we can foster that interdependence, and that autonomy and that curiosity and that passion. And it's so hard right now, because even if you're a parent or a teacher that's super into these concepts, you're in these structures. And so what we can, we can imagine how it could be better. And I think about this all the time and, you know, the perfect school would be, would look like this, but what we can do now or, and what we can do now is see young people for people, treat them as people, see them as people, really honor their interests, be okay when they're upset, like Mm -hmm. allow space for this, allow space for the process. We are not perfect little boxes and we're not going to fit in little boxes. We're not meant to be that shape. (laughs) Yeah. I think the hardest thing for me as an educator is the structure, as you were just talking about, you know, like we have a myriad of subjects that you can do when you get up to the senior years, but some subjects are weighted heavier than others based pretty much on whether they believe that they're quote unquote, the smarter subjects, you know, and so you get more points for doing those. And so if you want to get into university, you want more points. And so you eventually end up not doing the subjects you love. And we have lots of conversations around this. Like we had someone in recently to help talk to us about data, which, you know, sends a shiver down my spine when I think about student data, you know, because I'm like, well, there's so many things that impact that one score that that student had. And, you know, to whittle down a whole year of working with someone to a number is just doesn't, it just isn't who I am and doesn't sit well with me. But anyway, that's the system that we're in. And, um, you know, he was talking about how you need to encourage a student to do a language because look what happens to their score when they do a language. And one of our beautiful colleagues is like, no, you need to encourage them to do what they love because what they love is where they will excel. It's where they will feel empowered. It's where they will feel like they have space and community and belonging. Get them Mm -hmm. to do what they love. Even if they don't get the greatest score, they will end up with their people. And this is something that you you could talk about guidance counsellors. We talk about careers counsellors. These are things that they're being navigated into because, well, if you want that score, you want to go into university, this is the best pathway. And they're not wrong. Like in their mind, they're helping because they're getting them to that end point. But the whole point is we forget that there's a whole journey that goes to that place and there's so much that potentially might then have to be undone that they've lost within themselves because they got a score. And oftentimes I find too, I've had this happen a lot of times, students that I've taught have gone into business, have gone into science, have gone into those uh, engineering, those kinds of degrees, and they come back to me later and they go, oh, I just hated it. I'm like, well, I could have told you that you loved music. (laughs) Why did you do that? You know, and they end up undoing things or end up in careers that they hate and they just move around, move around, and they feel bad because they didn't get it right the first time. But were we ever really cultivating a situation where they could have got it right for them right did we ask them did we encourage that did we make space for that as their collaborators teammates and guides often no and and sadly now of course there's in at least our country you find yourself buried in debt because Mm. you went to college and maybe you didn't have to or didn't want to you know and and to some degree not a lot of us have to what Mm. the work I'm doing now I could have done without seven years of that it was beautiful. I learned a lot. It was amazing. However, there's a lot of ways to learn and to get our needs met and to 
and to find that um, experience or that mentor. It doesn't have to be college. And unfortunately, that's still the narrative if we're not asking or if there's not someone like you or like your colleague going, hold up, wait a minute. Is this really true, though? And and yeah, you're right. They end up feeling bad about themselves. And it's not all on them. Our responsibility as community members is to provide information and options instead of one way because we do not want a society of just one type of person that will Mm. not work (laughs) Mm. that will not work and none are better than any others it's interesting though how they get valued differently as you were mentioning yeah Mm -hmm. and I think too what you was talking about is that society values that piece of paper that degree that if we have that therefore we are qualified and yet I would say that once I came out of university I was not that equipped to teach and it sounds I shouldn't well you know what it's just a reality I wasn't I did one (laughs) year of education I had you know four years of content that I learned that I'll be honest I was working three jobs at the time I got through of course (laughs) you know so most of my education has actually come from being in the classroom and working with students and learning from them and then reteaching myself and actually I didn't know really that well how to study until I had to actually learn something to communicate it to somebody else. And I realized, oh, I actually don't really understand that. I could understand that to sit an exam and to regurgitate what they wanted me to say, but I actually didn't understand that concept. And I'm a much better learner now because I actually know how to learn. And no one taught me how to do that. I had to figure that out on my own. Why, why did I have to become a teacher to learn how to learn when I went to school for 12 years. Exactly. Exactly. And it's what you just said, which is we're, we're learning to take a test. When I was in middle school, I remember our school did this, this pilot sort of thing where they were basically, they, they put older students with younger students. I think you were grade apart. They had this like third, third grade, fourth grade combo class. You had like a buddy and a person and you would, you teach the older one would teach to the younger one. And so what they found was, at least from my understanding and memory, is that this worked so much better than one teacher teaching to all these different personalities who are at all different learning phases and approaches and and all of that. It was that there was a connection with another person, a friendship. There was in that mentorship kind of way. And then, yeah, you the older one learned through teaching and the younger one learned with someone that they knew cared about them. And that's, that's a lot more natural. We've stepped so far away from what's natural, you know, whether it's parenting and raising children or school used to be more communal. And I go to that person for this and that adult for this and that kid for this. And these are my people. And I've got, I've got all my needs covered because it's not just one person. So you speak to something that I think we're really seeing now. I think this is why forest schools are popping up and nature schools and online schools. And, and I I think I'm also reminded of, I think it was Deepak Chopra that said this, that it's a quote that says something like, if your kid loves tennis and not math, most people would hire a math tutor. I'd hire a tennis coach. (laughs) Yes. I have seen that. And I love that. Yeah. Right. Yes. It speaks to what your colleague said, where they're going to grow where their passions are. And so imagine if we had schools where when the student's 14, they're like, I love, I love music and I want to create music for video games or movies, whatever. 
And we're like, great, let's find you your mentor. And here's your, you know, music class with all the things you need to explore this. That way, then they could find out, you know, I really love it. Or no, never mind. Actually, not for me. Good thing I found out now. Yeah. And then move on to the next thing that you think you love. Yeah. Wouldn't that be amazing if that's what this, this age and stage got to be with regard to school, which is so much more developmentally appropriate and responsible. And also more possible. We've, we've got yeah. online universities. Like, you know, previously prior to the pandemic, yeah, that could have been quite challenging. How do you find those places? How do you find those people? But courses are online. Like I don't see why you couldn't be running online courses through schools. Like if you don't have the people there, just sign up to an online course. What? What's? I don't understand what yeah. the holdup is. I've had conversations too around the fact that, you know, we've gone from two years of kids working from home and having to self-regulate and self-manage that they've really struggled with, really, really struggled, which means they don't have the skills for that. But then we tend them up to university and they have to do that. So if we haven't taught them how to do it, we're really doing them a disservice. So to me, we now have all the platforms available to do all this on- online. Why don't we give them a day, one day in the school in the school week that is purely self-regulated, where they have to catch up on their courses, they have to come and find their teachers, they have to manage their day. And we'll start to see really quickly whether they can do that. And if they can't, they're in a safe place to, to hold them up and go, okay, these are the skills that are missing. We have everything at our disposal. We did it for two years to do that. And people mm-hmm. are too, oh, it's too, the timetable. Can we just sit for a moment and read? We, we all had to go online in a matter of weeks. We did it. You know, it's not, it wasn't comfortable. We, we don't have to do it that fast, but we have so much that we've learned and done and created that could actually allow for learning in this time rather mm-hmm. than going back to the old, you know, industrial model that we've been working from, you know. So I, I've, I'm really confused by the fact that why can't we have these conversations about more self-regulated learning, more mentor work rather than authoritative teaching, exactly. bringing in subjects that, yeah, okay, we don't have the teacher for that, but we do have an online course that they could be doing and we have someone that could support them. Why are we going back to this old situation that in so many places makes people feel disempowered? I was talking to a teacher the other day who has a student that has several learning difficulties and he said that it's heartbreaking because this student is in my class and he cannot grasp the concepts. He's polite, he's lovely he tries really hard, but he cannot. And every test is a bad mark. Every assignment is a bad mark. And he goes, and it breaks my heart. And I'm like, I don't know what that would feel like. In fact, I know, and I wouldn't stay in that situation, to be told you're not good. You can't do it. Every day, everything you hand in is not every good. Day. Like what would that do to you as a human being? As I said, I wouldn't stay in a situation like that. No. No one, no one in their right mind mm-hmm. would, yet children yeah. have to. And so, of course, they're distracting and avoiding. And they're also watching the adults, as you were mentioning before, that regulation piece and handling and juggling all the things. They're watching adults not do it so great, mm-hmm. too. So, of course, like, how can we expect young people whose minds, brains are still forming, frontal lobes are developing, they're watching the adults really struggle around them potentially. And then, yeah, having maybe experiences like that day after day at school, whether it's socially, they don't have friends or people they feel connected mm-hmm. to, or the work is not, not, 
landing in their brains for whatever reason. What if, yeah, what if we did it differently? And that if that was the case, it was like, this is not the class for you or not the teacher or not the way instead of doing things over and over again that don't yeah. work. <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness. And and even bring it back to that example when I was in middle school or elementary school, I guess it was, of that three, four class. We do these things. We're like, oh, I wonder what will happen if we do this. And then we notice it works really well. And then we don't no, do it. I know. <laughs> we don't yeah. adopt oh, Great it. experiment. Let's take that it. off. Okay. Back to how it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's sort of what this is reminding of. We're like, we've learned so much. We've seen so much. And look how dynamic and and incredible all these young people are and all these gifts they have to give to the world. Okay, back to back to the the main four mm-hmm. or whatever. Again, not to bash those. We need to have basic skills. But goodness, like at some point we need to realize, okay, that's done. They've got enough. What else is here mm-hmm. for them? Especially if we're talking about the world, like being on fire literally. Mm-hmm. We need to have some joy and some passion. We need to have play and we need to have balance. We need to do the things we love. We are not here to be robots and we are not here to just do work and take work home and and just live that, unless you really love that. Some people are really all about homework and they really want to do that one way type yeah. A linear path. That's also amazing, but not amazing if you're not that personality and you're not going to and it's going to affect you in negative ways, or it's going to have an impact negatively. No, we can, we can absolutely find different paths. And I'm so grateful that they are actually opening up, as you said, these online schools and these, these new ways. I think it'll take a little while, but at this point, we don't really have another option. I mean, we've got to just embrace it. It's time. It's just time to do that. And if we don't, we will just continue to see people struggle and and be and when i see people struggle i see young people and teenagers struggle i'm like okay their needs are not being met we need to do better there's something missing it's not like oh you should be able to handle this or there's a problem with you it's like there's there's something missing here let's get curious about it and let's figure out a way to offer it it's okay for us to have needs and different needs and so many of us were taught at a young age we could not have needs and we weren't allowed to make requests, have needs, and and maybe some of the adults around us struggled to, to help us get our needs met. I don't think that it has to be that way. And I also don't think we're supposed to do it alone. Community keeps coming up for me, actually, when I speak to people. It's so funny that I'm having so many different conversations with different people, and yet it still keeps coming back to that same idea of you need community, you can't do it by yourself, and you need to be able to be exactly who you are, you know, messy whatever it is, be exactly who you are. I want to know for you, what situations make you feel the most empowered? Most empowered. I have realized actually after all my unlearning from the structure of my childhood (laughs) and schooling, actually I do really well with creating my own schedule Mm -hmm. because I'm not the same every day. I'm, my month looks, some weeks are more low energy for me. I'm pretty high energy in general, but I'm also introverted. Mm -hmm. And so having the flexibility and freedom to create my own schedule is very empowering to, to create my own weeks, my own days, have my mornings to myself. This is really empowering for me, but I had no idea. Actually, it was very scary to me at one point because I'd always had a structure given to me and, and put, put in front of me that I needed to follow. And so everybody's different. For some people, it'll be the opposite. But it's this returning to myself 
returning to ourselves, we can find what really works with us. I'm also an artist. And so anytime I'm able to paint, I feel really alive and embodied and empowered and creative and connected. And so that was huge for me during my teen years. It's still huge for me. I, I used to, before everything was more digital in my world, connect young people and art. Um, not if they didn't want to, but of course, I actually tend to attract quite kind of sensitive, creative people. Yeah. Um, and so these things, just anything that I, where I'm allowed to be myself is really empowering. And and that just spreads. It's really almost kind of contagious. And and when we're at peace, we can then meet people where they're at and what and then be like, wow, that's cool. That's what helps you feel empowered. That's empowering to you. It might be very different. Oh, and it's such a good feeling. And it, 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 that's what's hard for me, I think, watching teenagers today be in so many circumstances where they feel disempowered, shut down, disconnected, when it's like, it doesn't have to be this way. And of course, it's not gonna be perfect all the time. Life has waves. But even if, you know, the school day, the school day is hard, what if the teacher gets that and is okay with that? And tries to work with that student with what works for them. Maybe you can't change the system, but you can change the atmosphere and the environment in your classroom. Mm -hmm. And not saying it's that easy. Some, some teachers have 40 kids in their class and that's a lot, a lot. But yeah, those are, that's where I feel empowered. And um, of course, working with families and young people is incredibly aligned Mm -hmm. for me. I don't know if I'd ever think of the word empowered for it, but it's, it's deeply powerful. I mean, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. It's when I'm in, it's when I'm in, in my power and in an unconditional supportive role, it's also really, really empowering for me. Enjoy that space so mm. much. I was say, surely being able to speak honestly about how you see the world and have people connect with that, surely that's hugely empowering to be able to share your message and have that received and have people go, that's what I've been missing. That's what I wanted to hear. You know, you're currently doing a series at the moment of, I think it's called I'm a Teenager. Is that what it is? Where you kind of go through like the day or the the feelings of a teenager. And I read that and I'm like, I remember that. And it is exactly what you said, that bring that remembering that we're coming back to rather than trying to get it right for your child. And I will say as a parent, watching my child go through something difficult, I would have that happen to me a hundred times over than have it happen to them. And you want to stop all those really awful things from happening, but you can't. So I think it's, I understand from the parent perspective, showing up and trying to be this armor for your child and not wanting them to have all of those difficult experiences. But the thing is, by doing that, you're taking away all the learning that they have to do. Life is challenging. Mm -hmm. It's hard. But if you are a safe space, then they can do it with support, with community is what we were saying. And so exactly, I get it. I get it from both sides, but to read to read some of the things that you're posting as storytelling i think is very easy to land for people rather than we are we should be doing it like this because people get defensive it's like put yourself in this position imagine yourself Absolutely. here and we all can we we're all teenagers exactly exactly now you speak to something so real there and yeah the storytelling can bring us back into our heart instead of in our head it's, it's, it's more, it's just lower in the body. It's not, it's, it's just not up in the head. And at least that's how I experience it is 
oh wow, you can feel it rather than just be thinking about it and then blaming or judging say, or criticizing. Brings it into yeah. <laughs> exactly. It 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 has at least the ability to for us to actually feel it and then remember it and anchor back to that. And so that's where that community and support comes in because it's like, okay, now what? How do I shift my my perspective or my reactions? How do I move into response? How do I move into awareness? And so whether that's, yeah, a therapist or hired support or community or both, it's like that handholding can be so powerful and it can only support, or at least not only, but it, it has the opportunity to support both yourself and your family. So I'm trying to cultivate this question in a way that's easier. I asked the last person and they were kind of found it a bit challenging. So the question stands like, okay. What is something you didn't realize you needed until it was invented or created? And I want to open that up to not necessarily a thing, but maybe an idea or a event or something, something that came into your life later that you went, oh, I needed this, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. What did I need? Let me think about that. Yeah, it's a minute. challenging question, but I think I'm trying to, yeah, it's a great I'm trying to get to the point that, you know, we assume what everyone needs. And so we think we're doing it in schools, but we're gem- we're not. Things come into our lives later that we go, oh, imagine if I had that earlier. That would have been good. Whatever that is. I know what it is for me, I think. Okay. Yeah. For me, I feel like it's, I mean, maybe this is a little bit vague, but that I'm what I needed, if that yeah. makes sense. Like the real me, if, if I had known the things I know now about how the brain works, for example, where we're the watcher, we're not our brain and our thoughts, we are watching, we are the observer. And and if I had known that as a young person, and that also this concept that, oh, if my parents or teachers or people aren't giving me what I need, I can give that to myself, mm. I can show up for myself. And I think I did. I think we all do. I think it's always there for us. But because of the culture we grew up in, where it's very external, mm. and we do rely on other people for shelter and food and all of these and love, especially as children, um, that that's of course all needed. And that's really important. But specifically thinking about the teen years, it's like, wow, if I had known that, yeah, how the, I think how the brain works and how, I think that that would have really helped me. This understanding of I'm, I'm, I'm watching myself, not in a disassociated way, but in a way that's like just deeply understanding of the developmental mm-hmm. stage. Um, that's one. I mean, that's a little bit of, it's a little bit of kind of a funny answer because I also don't want to minimize how important it is to need support from other people. We, I need, and that's the other piece of it, I guess, is I needed people that were self-aware <laughs> and that didn't come to me until later, at least not, not, I had maybe a couple moments of it with those teachers mm-hmm. I spoke of that were, they were very self-aware and very compassionate and really actually interested in who I was as a mm-hmm. person. So that was huge. And it, it was bare. I mean, it was like sprinkled yeah. throughout my years, right? It wasn't like I saw this person every day and we had sessions. No, it was just enough to, to be enough for me. I could hold that and be like, okay, at least there's a person, two people in the world that are like mm. this, that can really see other people and meet yeah. them for who they are. And so I think that's even the other piece. It's like, yes, I'm enough. And it's also okay to need self-aware adults and guides and people around me and holding space for me. And so, yeah, unfortunately this comes maybe never for some people, maybe later, but if we could, if we could all have that earlier, if I could have had that earlier, 
in a more present way or a more steady, stable, consistent way. Whew, that would have felt so good, I think. That's the I think that's, that's the one for me. I used to find that I didn't feel, and this is an awful term to use, but it's true, I didn't feel deserving of taking up the space of busy adults as a, as a teen. I felt like everyone was busy, everyone had things to do, and unless they came to me, I felt as though I wasn't able to go to them. And I think that's something that as a teacher now, I'm like, oh, please come to me. You know, if you need anything, I'm right here. You know, I want to be that safe adult for you. Um, but I think students and teens knowing that they they can cultivate their own community. They don't have to wait for the community to be cultivated for them or by someone else. They're the ones that are able to create that for themselves. And I must admit, I had a similar understanding to you regarding the thoughts too, understanding that you can actually critically analyze the things that go in your head. You actually don't necessarily believe all of them. Sometimes they're just things that come through and you're like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder why you've thought about that. You know, so that, yes. that's a, that's an interesting thing too. And, and again, like I was in my 30s before I re- realized that was something that I could actually do is take a step back and go, oh, that's an interesting thought that's gone through there. Do I actually, is that true for me? Or is that just something that's yeah. come up based on a trigger that I'm witnessing or experiencing? So I think that's a huge one too. It's huge. And, and yeah, it's, it's definitely coming up with the young people in my life and all of my teenagers. It's very, the things teenagers are asking about are so, so deep mm-hmm. and it's amazing. And so to be able to talk about things in that way, not in an overwhelming way, but in a like, oh, actually here's what's going on. It's empowering. It's so, it can be so empowering and it can be so supportive because then it's like, imagine for all of us, if someone had sat with us and been like, oh, wow, cool. Your brain's doing that. Just like you just said, oh, interesting. Oh, wow. I wonder why. And then read, you know, Michael Singer's work or something about that watcher. I'd have been like, oh, I'm not made of all of this. It's like all these worries. That's not me. Yeah. And they're natural and it's okay to worry. And of course you're worried given what's going on in your world. You know, wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That would have been a huge weight lifted. Yeah. And to validate those things, because I think as adults, we go, oh, for goodness sake, you'll move through that. Don't worry about it. It's, it's, it's like, but in the moment, don't you remember? Don't you remember that fight with your friend being the biggest thing that was ever happening to you? Like, can't you put yourself back in that place? I can. Absolutely. Me too. And, and yeah, it's probably because so many of us weren't given that space to fully explore that or feel that. And so it's like, you, this idea of skipping ahead or that it's not it's not deeply meaningful it's deeply meaningful mm-hmm. especially for that age and and yeah I, and like you said before as a parent of course so hard to watch mm-hmm. so hard to watch the struggle and what I often remind my parents my the people that I work with is okay well the struggle is going to happen mm-hmm. right either way so do we want people your teenager to be alone in that Mm. or do we want them to feel supported in that like those are the options that's what we get to work with here and because as humans we're going to have struggles Mm. my hope is that we don't have to do all of them alone Mm. that is like my hope for the world really and truly 
What a beautiful way to end the episode. Thank you so much for your time. And we I'm so glad that we got our time sorted. I'm like 10 hours kissed and I'll be right. <laughs> we hours. did it. We did it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Anyways. you. I love hearing from you and knowing there's people like you in schools. It brings me deep peace. <laughs> Thank you so much. Can I ask you to let everybody know where they can find you? I've obviously spoken so much about your socials and things. Where can people find you if they want to follow on? Yeah, everything can be found at Kirsten Cobabe. And I have websites and courses. And I also offer every family one free call right now because 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 we all deserve some some support and like to not be alone, of course, like I was just saying. And so if anyone's wanting that, feel free to reach out. It was such a pleasure being here. Thank you so much for being you. (laughs) 